0: please visit jcasnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I am Rabbi Barry Chesler, and today's Daf is Masachet Kitubot Kafchet, Tractate Kitubot, Folio 28. Today we will finish Parak Bet, Chapter 2 of Masachet Kitubot. We finished the sugyah we began yesterday, learn one more Mishnah, do a short sugyah, and then a longer one to conclude the chapter. So to continue the Baraita from yesterday, which taught that a man who divorces his wife may not live with a new wife in the same neighborhood. We learned today that if he is a Kohen, he should not dwell in the same avoi, the same alleyway as her, even if he is not remarried. For as Rashi reminds us, a Kohen is forbidden to marry a divorcee. A regular Jew who is not married may live in the same neighborhood as a divorced wife. Suppose it was a small village. This was an actual case. and They said that a small village is judged like a neighborhood. So who has to move? Tashma, come and learn. As we learn in a brighta, she is pushed off from before him, but he is not pushed off from before her. But if the courtyard was hers, he has to leave. Now the question is asked suppose the courtyard is both of theirs, then what is the law? Tashma, come and learn, she must move. What are we talking about? If we are saying it is a courtyard, then Pshita, it is obvious. And if it is hers, do we not have the breita that says, if the courtyard is hers, he must move? Rather, it is not like this. It is possible that he has rented the courtyard, so that in that case she still must move. But if they both own it, we have no solution. Wouldn't we have honor in this case? Tashma, come and learn, quoting Isaiah twenty-two seventeen. Behold, the Lord will hurl you away with a mighty throw, and will seize you firmly. And Rob says that Teltuleen, moving about of a man, is harder than it is for a woman, and therefore the woman must move. We learn in a brighta, in a case where a coin divorces his wife, but while she was still married to him, he borrowed from her father's property, that he may only pay her back through an agent to minimize their contact. Rav Shishet said, and if they come before us in a court case, we do not need them to judge in their matter, because they committed a great sin through the bargaining. Rav Papa said, we excommunicate them for this sin. Rafuna, the son of Yerabbi, of Rav Rafuna, the son of Rav Yoshua, said, We also lash them. Rav Nachman said, There is a teaching in Evel Rabati of a sechad primarily concerned with mourning. What are we talking about? When she is divorced after the wedding, but not when she is divorced after the betrothal. For then she may, for then she may accept the repayment herself because ain libo Gaspa. He is not familiar with her. Then Arus and Arusato came before Rava." While Ravada Barmatana was sitting there, Rava put the agent between them. Ravada Barmatana said to him, Did not Rav Nachman say there was a teaching in or Rabati, etc.? He said to him, We saw that there was a closeness between them. Others say that Rava Rav did not put an agent between them. Ravada Barmatana said to him, Let the Master place an agent between them. He said to him, Did not Rav Nachman say or Rabati, etc.? He said to him, these words only apply when there is no closeness between them, but here we see that they do have a closeness. So while there is some dispute about who said what, the point is clear. In general, one may not need an agent for business dealing after a divorce between a betrothed couple unless the court sees there is excessive familiarity between them, which might lead to sin. The last Mishnah details people who can testify as adults about what they saw when they were young. A man can say, this is the signature of my father, this is the signature of my teacher, this is the signature of my brother. I remember about this woman that she went out with the Himuna, the curtain litter by which virgin brides were carried to the chuppah, with their head uncovered. Such and such a man would leave school to immerse in the mikvah to eat truma, and he would share in the priestly gifts at the threshing floor. And this place is a beda pras, a place deemed of possible impurity because there was once a grave and has been plowed over and the bones scattered, and until here we go on Shabbat, but a person is not believed to say, this person had a way in this place, this person had mamat and misbed in this place, a place for standing and lamentation, both associated with funerals and mourning. The first two guys rather short. Rafuna, the son of Rav Yehoshua said, this applies only when there is an adult who testifies to the same thing regarding the signatures. Only then do we accept the case of the person testifying to what he saw when he was young. Each detail in the Mishnah is necessary because each contains a chidush, something new that we would not otherwise learn. If the Mishnah only taught the father, we might think it was because he was around the son often, which is not true of the teacher. And if it only taught the teacher, we might think it was because of reverence for the teacher, but not the father. And the brother, who lacks the presence of the father and the reverence of the teacher, we have to teach separately. Since the validation of documents is rabbinically ordained, the rabbis believe him for what is rabbinically ordained. The final sogya begins with a question. Why do we need the statement that I remember that so-and-so went out in the litter with her hair uncovered? Since most women are virgins when they are married, the litter and the uncovered hair merely come to reveal that fact. Regarding the one who went out from school to immerse in the mikvah Truma, perhaps he was a slave of a priest. This supports Rabbi Yahushua ben Levi, who said it is forbidden for a man to teach his slave Torah. But is it? Do we not learn in a brita if a man borrowed money from his slave or his master made him an apotropos, a guardian, or he put on tefillin in front of his master, or he read three verses of the Torah in the synagogue, this one does not thereby become free merely by acting as a free man? Mm -hmm. There, in the case of the Torah reading, he did it with his consent. That is, the slave learned on his own. In our case, where the master treats him like a child, it is forbidden to teach the slave Torah. To immerse to eat truma, this refers to rabbinic truma. He was taking a share with us at the threshing floor. Perhaps he was the slave of a coin. We have learned this like the one who says one does not distribute truma to a slave unless his master is with him. For we learn in a barata, we do not distribute truma to a slave unless his master is with him, the words of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yossi says it is possible that he should say, if I am a priest, then give it to me for my own sake. If I am a slave of a Kohen, give it to me for the sake of my master. In the place of Rabbi Yehuda, they would elevate to priestly status. When we Truma, in the place of Rabbi Yossi, they did not do so. We learned in a Brita. Rabbi Elazar ben Rabbi Yossi said, All my days I did not give testimony. Once I did give testimony, and they elevated a slave to the priesthood on the basis of my words. You think it was actually elevated? Now, just as regarding the animals of Sadikim, the Holy One, blessed be He, does not allow misfortune to occur to the masters on their account. Sadiqim themselves, should it not be even more so, that God would not allow misfortune to come to them? But they wanted to elevate this slave on the basis of my testimony. How did this happen? He saw and receive the Truma in the place of Rabbi Yossi, and he went and testified in the place of Rabbi Yehuda on this fact, where they regarded the eating of Truma as demonstration of priesthood. Since slaves only received truma in the presence of their masters. Therefore, they did not know that he was a slave, and therefore, a stumbling nearly took place on this account. That this place was a Beda Pras. What is the reason? Beda Pras is the rabbinic. For Rabbi Yehuda said in the name of Shemuel, one blows away the dust and walks. And Rabbi Yehuda Barami said in the name of Rabbi Yehuda, a Beda Pras that has been trampled upon is pure. What is the reason? It is impossible for a bone the size of barley not to have been trampled down beneath the surface so that one is not actually walking on it. Until here we would come on Shabbat, he holds that Shabbat boundaries are deravanah. But he is not believed when he said that so-and-so had a path in this place, a standing in lamentation in this place. What is the reason? We do not take money from a person on the basis of testimony like this. A rabbi is taught in a bryta. Child, a tinok, is believed to say, Thus my father said to me, This family is pure, this one impure. Pure and impure, you are thinking. Rather, this family is k'sherah, valid, and this one is psula, invalid. The Brita continues, We ate at the k'satsah, a ceremony for the sale of an heirloom or for a marriage of a man to a woman beneath his social status, with its implication of cutting a family tie of some woman to a man, and that we would take khalan gifts to so-and-so the priest. These are acceptable when done by he himself, but not by others, meaning the person testifying is part of the original event, not what he heard from others. And in all these cases, if he was a non-Jew later converted, or a slave who was later emancipated, they are not believed. And he is not believed to say, so-and-so had a way in this place, so-and-so had a mama and misbet in this place. Rabbi Yochanan ben Broka said, they are believed, but on what did he comment? If you say it is on the Seifa, the last part of the Brighta, then it is an issue of taking money. So it must be the Resha, the first part of the Brayta, and all of them, if he were a Goy and converted, a slave who was emancipated, they are not believed. Rabbi Yochanan ben Barocca said, they are. On what do they disagree? The Tanakama, the earlier Mishnah, thinks that because he was a non-Jew, he was not paying careful attention. Whereas Rabbi Yochanan ben Barocca thinks that since he knew he was going to convert, he was surely paying attention. The Sugya concludes with the question, Ma'kitsatsah? What is Kitsatsah? As our rabbis taught in the how so? Kitsatsah, one of the brothers who married a woman who was not appropriate for him, meaning there was something invalid in their family, the other members of his family came and brought jugs filled with fruit, which they broke in the middle of the Rehavah, the open space, perhaps a market, and say, Our brother's house of Israel, listen. Our brother so-and-so married a woman not appropriate for him, and we are afraid that our seed will be mixed with his. Come and take for yourselves a dugma, an example for the generations, that his seed not be mixed with ours. And this is a with which a child is reliable to testify about. So ends chapter 2, Adranalach Ha'ishah Ha'nit Until tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is "Ufros" from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.